Welcome to Do A Blessing CNS Church London's podcast, sharing the good news weekly. We hope you are blessed by today's message. We bless your name for today. We thank you for this week. We thank you for preaching. We thank you for testimonies that keep coming. We thank you for affecting your work. Lord, we want to say thank you. Father, we say let your name be glorified. In the name of Jesus Christ, as we go into your word, Lord, we pray that you honor yourself again. Thank you, faithful Father. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen, amen, amen in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. Let's have our seat. God bless us all in Jesus' name. We started off something last week. I know it was titled Wonderful God. But the topic we would be progressing as we, you know, as we are looking at what we started, what God helped us to start last week, is in knowing God. Knowing God. And we discussed last week, we ended up, why is it important? Why is it that the apostles, there was the, the, the hunger in their heart was to know God? And we started off by reading that um, um, John chapter 7 verse 3. He says, this is Jesus talking. Jesus said, now this is eternal life. This is eternal life that they may know you, the holy true God, and Jesus Christ, who you have sent. So he's saying this kind of life that I carry, that's the you know that Jesus carries the life of God that has the ability over sin. He says that he says that he says the way to it is to know God, is to know Christ and God Himself. You know the Bible says as we go, I'll read the amplified, but John chapter 3, verse 36 says that. He who believes, trusts in the Son of God and accepts him as a savior. Look at the word he used. You see it in all, all other versions. He says, has eternal life. So, eternal life is not what you would have. Eternal life is what you have now. When you accepted Jesus as the Lord and Savior, the life of God is already inside of you. You know, I know we sing the song, I want to see eternal life. But the eternal life starts from here. He didn't say they would have. That's why when Jesus was talking in, in the previous scripture that we read, he said this is eternal life, that they will know God and his son that he sent. So, as we begin, he said that is already possesses it. They already have it. That eternal life is in them. But he who does not believe in the Son chooses uh, and chooses to reject him, disobey him, deny him as a savior, shall not see eternal life. Instead, the wrath of God hangs over them continually. God grant us grace in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, it is important as I begin to just link this together. You see, this is one of the things, even this week as I was meditating, I was struggling with certain, I was struggling with something because it's not that I was struggling, but I understand that when you ask people, what did Jesus save you from? People say, he said, no, he only saved you from one thing, sin. Every other thing is a benefit of that. Every other thing that you we think so that is not the major. Is that, and the problem is that if we don't put it in a proper order, somebody can say Jesus saved me from sickness. Yes, but that is not the real thing that he saved you from. He saved you from sin. As a result, you can claim health. And you begin to see this theme all through scriptures. So you, as we begin to see this, I am tying this together for a reason. 
when we go now, when the when the when the angel was going to introduce Jesus to his um, um, Gabriel, he says in Matthew chapter one verse twenty one, he says, "You shall give birth to a son. You shall give birth to a son. You sh you shall give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins." So, the life of God, the part of knowing him as a savior, is the more you know, the more the ability to break the back of sin. And you will begin to see, that is why when Paul was talking in Philippians chapter 3 verse 10, Paul said that I may know him that I may know Christ, yes, know the power of his resurrection and participate in the suffering and become like him in his death. Why is he saying become like him in his death? Because he died to sin. Because he died to sin. We're going somewhere with this because what I'm trying to say is that we are linking knowing to the ability to overcome. To the ability to overcome. Wait, let's look at that in the Amplified. He says, and this, so that I may know him exper experientially. Experientially. Experientially, yes. Experientially. Becoming more thoroughly acquainted with him, understanding the remarkable wonders of his work and of his person more completely. Please note that in every part he uses in this scripture, he's using a continuous sense. And we talked about that last week. That spiritual journey or spiritual growth is not a sprint, it's not 100 meters. It is a marathon. It is something you keep running for a long time. So you keep growing in that aspect. But what we'll be looking at today is as, I, as God helps us to begin to lay the marks of that path for us. So we will start from Exodus because I think that is quite, that is quite interesting. Why? Because the children of Israel left Egypt. It is a symbolism of a Christian leaving the world. When they were baptized in water, it is the it is the it is the significance of being baptized by water. That when you give your life to Christ, they baptize you in water. So, so, so you see that's why the Bible says that the whole testament is a shadow of the new. So as we begin to look at that journey, so let's assume, let's believe that every one of us has left Egypt. But the problem God had was to get Egypt out of them. So God began to speak to them in, in Exodus chapter 19, verse 4. He said, you yourself have seen what I did to Egypt. How I carried you on the eagle's wings and brought you to myself. God did not say, I brought you to a, a, a land flowing with milk and honey. That was not the essence. He said, I brought you to myself. That's why when Moses spoke to Pharaoh, he said, let my people go that they may serve God. Moses never said that they would go to Canaan. Because that was not, that was just, uh, that was just a, an added benefit. That was why when we read last week, Moses was saying, I prefer to sit here in the wilderness than to go to a place sorry, flowing with milk and honey. Because that was not that was not the agenda. The agenda was to bring him to God. And when Jesus was talking, so when God was talking, God said, You were brought to meet me. The reason why I delivered you from Egypt is so that you can meet me, God. And as God begins to introduce how they would know him, 
When you read through Exodus 19 and things like that, we were down, you know, reading all, all of that, you begin to start, God began to invite them. Then we go to, we read, Lord, to Exodus 20, then you would see. I'm going to a lot of scriptures now, but we know we would, God help us as we begin to follow it. The Bible says, when the people saw the thunder and lightning, and they heard the trumpet and saw the mountain uh, in smoke, they trembled with fear. And they, they stayed at a distance. And Moses said, and, and said to Moses, speak to us, we would listen, but you have, but, but do not have God speak to us, or we will die. Let's read on it. Then Moses answered, do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be in you and keep you from sinning. Moses said, the problem is that what you think is scary about God is actually the thing that holds you back from sinning. But Moses was saying, but you have to move closer. And the Bible says, the people remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick cloud where God was. What am I trying to say here? Please take a picture about it. They saw God. But Moses was saying, the issue of sin will only be dealt with the closer you get to him. So you can stay afar and still see him. It is not a problem. But the challenge there is that even as you think the journey is difficult, it is in that same process that you can overcome. If it were to be the way we see things today, sadly in our fold, we would say, you know, yes, we understand, and you know, we water down the truth of God. And what happens? People still see God but they cannot overcome. Moses did not say, ah, this is, you know, the, you, I understand what you are talking about. Moses said, no, 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 see, this thing actually that you think is what will stop you from sin. And the challenge that I had there, even as we looked more closely, and we'll see as we read that scripture um, a little bit while later on. After God, after Moses said that, God did not say to Moses, God did not tell the people of Israel, yes, what Moses was saying was right. God just moved on from that conversation. Why? Moses gave it, he said, God did it to test you. So basically, it is not, it would not, these are not conversations that God would tell you. People have to say, you know, don't worry, just move closer. You never, no, 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 no. You don't, see, and you begin to see that pattern. It is things that you experience as you make up your mind to follow him. Did God tell Moses that my presence will stop you from sinning? No. How did Moses know? He experienced it. And he was saying to them, this is the way forward for us. This is the way for you would see a man, Isaiah, the prophet that has been speaking from chapter one, that was talking about the sins of the world, talking about this and that. You would see that when Isaiah got to Isaiah chapter six, verse five, he said, "What?" He said, "What to me?" Oh God, I did not. Um, okay, um, sorry. What, what happened in verse 4 what happened in verse, from verse 1 to 4 is that Isaiah came into the temple of God in verse 2 he saw in verse 1 and 2 he saw the throne of God he had an encounter he came close if you read from verse chapter 1 to 5 he has been hearing but he has not approached God and the closer he became he came to God the first thing he said, woe to me, basically, I am dead. For I am a man with unclean lips, and I live among, and, and, and I live among people of unclean lips. My eyes 
I've seen the Lord Almighty. Please look at the verse 6. The Bible says, Then there's a seraph flew from the coal, um, within from the coal, which was taken from the tongue of the altar. Uh, sorry, I don't know why I didn't. Um, um, if you go to verse, um, verse 7 of that scripture, the coal was taken and it was put on his tongue and that cleansed him. Touched my mouth with it. Yes, ma'am. And said, mm -hmm. Behold, mm -hmm. this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away. Please look at the order of it. The more he got closer to God, the more he realized his sin. That was what the people of Israel saw and he said, We will die. But rather than um, um, Isaiah stepping back. He approached further, and the more he approached, an angel approached him and made him good. That, that was why what, Saul, what, they, what Moses was saying was correct. Is that the more you approach him, the more you have the ability to overcome him. If you stay away, it is not that you will not see God. It's not that you will not experience him. But there are certain things you will not be able to overcome. Because there will always be an excuse. You know, they said, oh, you know, this thing is too harsh. We are just going to die. And sadly, that is the challenge that we have. It, it doesn't mean, that doesn't mean, see, God was not there to condemn them. But the, he knew that that is the only way he can appear to them and will help them. God can, would not change his standards. Because he knows it doesn't help you. You think he does, but he doesn't. That was why when Isaiah shouted, I am dead, the response was to empower him to overcome. May God grant us grace in the name of Jesus Christ. So that's why Jesus said, this is how to have eternal life. The more you know God, the more you have access to that life. But when assuming, and that is because assuming Moses had said to them, don't worry, I understand. Okay, let's just do it this way. Moses has only denied them the ability to overcome. Nurses are those that understand what I'm saying. When you want to inject somebody, and they are shouting, no, have you ever seen it? I don't know if you know. What you call me? What you call? It's like that. But the nurse knows. Even though he's shouting, I am dead, though. I have died, though. And things like that. No, he's still talking. He's saying, I am dead, though. I'm dead. And things like that. The nurse knows that that is what will help him get better. And when he gets better, he goes, ah, thank you, nurse. But if the nurse has said, okay, I understand. Okay, you know what? Don't worry. What they 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 made they made that journey better to be to, to getting things worse. God grant us grace in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, I just wanted to say something. It's interesting that, and we will, let, we will get there, that God did not erase that issue again. As soon as Moses said it, I thought God would come down and say, um, you guys you should understand that what Moses is saying is right. God just moved on. Because the decision to move closer, it is left to you, not to him. And even as we read about God, that God is a man, when he introduces his son, in man, which means God with us. The Bible also describes him in, a, in a, let's go to uh, um, Isaiah chapter 45, verse 15. He said, you are, you are, truly you are a God who has been hiding himself. Please, God doesn't throw himself at people. He may give you access like he gave the people of Israel access. 
But getting closer, it doesn't change people. That is not his nature. It can give you an access to know him. But to make a decision, that is why you would see people in the days of Jesus. When somebody came to Jesus and said, Ah, you know, the, man, the rich man. The Bible says, Jesus said, I have done this. And the Bible says that he felt bad. He went back and he felt bad. The Bible never said Jesus called him back. But fortunately, and that is where the issue around what Moses was dealing with begins to fall on his face because of an approach that, you know, God draws people to, to himself. But once you leave Egypt, it is left to you to determine what you want to do. He brought all of them out of Egypt into the wilderness. But it was not God's responsibility to decide if they could die in the wilderness or they're going to get the promised land. It was left to them. So, and you will begin to see because if you go to Proverbs chapter 25, verse 2, the Bible says the glory of God is to conceal a matter. That is how God, God gets his glory. But it is now your own glory to begin to find it out. So he's not hiding himself. But the more you, you take time to find out about him, the more glory that comes to you. That is the way it works. That is the way it works. So I just laid that foundation to see that one Knowing God, getting closer, is the, I don't know, should I call it antidote? Is that good English? Antidote thing. You're going to say, it is the power to break the back of it. But that part will be scary. It has ever been. It will be like, God doesn't understand your feelings. But oh, that is the only way forward. God help us all in Jesus' name. So as we begin, so we, we, we stopped at that verse 21. And, and God, the Bible says God called Moses and spoke to him. Now, you now begin to see, God now begins to lay a foundation for them. I said, well, I have not taken away this opportunity. But this is how you would be able to generate that opportunity. Let's go on to verse 22. It says, then the Lord said to Moses, tell the children of Israel this, you have seen for yourself that I have spoken to you from heaven. So God is saying, you have seen how I have spoken to you from heaven. That's why I said, God did not deal with the issues about getting closer or not getting closer. He just now said, you know, Moses has spoken to you. If you like, you take it. But this opportunity will keep coming to you. But this is how you would receive it. And that is what we want to start to examine even closer. The Bible says that, it says, do not make any idol, sorry, any God to be, to be alongside me. And do not make yourself gods, gods of gold or silver. Let's read your it. He now said to them, make me, make an altar of head for me. He said, and sacrifice on it, and, uh, and sorry, sacrifice on the burnt offering and fellowship offering, and sheep and goat and cattle. He said, wherever I cause my name to be honored, I will come to you. So he said, you have seen me the way I did it the first time. Now, the way I will keep showing myself is going to be on your altar. The way you would begin to see me, 
Now, when you come to your altar, you also determine either you go closer or you stay afar. But it is what you have seen me do. I will repeat it again continually as you build an altar for me. As you build an altar for me. We discovered that from what Moses was initially talking about, Moses was saying that experience gives you the grace to overcome sin. Do we get to that point? So that means one of the opportunities to have an altar of relationship with God is to deal with you and me first. You will see Jesus build an altar for himself. We are not talking about having an altar everywhere. See, like I said yesterday, I went, I have an altar that is a field. And I will sit down. There is a particular spot I normally sit down. I can scream, I can shout, I can do anything. Nobody is looking at anybody there. In fact, the spot I have, I have another spot in one forest where I would just walk and sit down. And you begin to see as Jesus begins to lay an example. And I'm first of all going to talk about the issue of one of the major things that you deal with on the altar of prayer. But again, on the, on, the, on the altar of relationship with God, but again, it will determine how far, how close you want to come with God. Then you begin to see that the Bible says, Jesus went out, Luke chapter 22 from 30, 39 to 42, the Bible says, and Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Holies, and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, pray, Lest you fall into temptation. So he drew them out into a place that they can commune with God. And the first thing Jesus said to them, pray, lest you fall into temptation. The Bible says, and he withdrew himself again. He too now went further. A stone throw beyond them and knelt down and prayed and began to battle with his flesh. Father, Jesus, see, the first priority on the altar was not generational issues. It was the issue of himself. He said, Father, let he said, Father, if you are willing, take this cup away from me. Now, let us look at how the Bible talks about temptation. And you begin to see, as I begin to draw it closer, that the issue on your altar first at times see when i when i discovered this recently i was like why did i not even ever think about this because when you see jesus even when jesus got into this prayer to us he said do not lead us he talked about temptation and the root of temptation the bible refers to it the bible says james chapter 5 chapter 1 reading chapter 5 he said do not say that the, that do not say when the lord tempted do not let no one say he is, he is tempted. I have been tempted by God. He said, temptation does not originate from God, but from your own flaws as a human being. He said, for God cannot be tempted by what is evil. He, he himself tempts no one. But each one is tempted when you are dragged away. When you are dragged away, and entice and bait to commit sin by your own worldly desires. What he's saying is that your flesh is the issue. But if I will not approach my altar and talk to God as if I have an issue, that is why when Jesus came there, he said, deal with your, when he said, talk about them, he said, deal with your flesh here. Speak to God about your flesh. See, this is the reason, I will begin, this is the reason why private altars is important. 
You cannot come here and shout, God, I have been a thief. Save me. They don't deal with private, they don't deal with such things. Nobody does that. That's why when Jesus was going to deal with his own self, the Bible says he went even further from them. See, I, I, I did not understand, and I said this to us, that so many things that you know you have grown up to, to know and you never understood. As, as, see, as, 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 how do I now? As, see, and when you are dealing with private authors, your whole personal relationship with God, you have to be brutal with yourself. My dad used to call a prayer since when we were young. He would say, that means the bad habit we have in my family. He is my father, and he's saying the bad pray that the bad habit from my own family will not come upon us. The bad habit from your my your mother's family will not come upon us. Those kind of prayers are times if you are too, if you you will not, those are not prayers that you pray. But on a private order, you will first of all acknowledge there are issues that are flowing through my generation. You will not say, that, ah, you know, you know, I come from um, a particular part of Nigeria. Hunger hey, is our own issue. Oh, I come see, you know, you know, people just think that I'm proud. I am not. I know I am not. I know I am not. But on a private altar. That's why when Jesus was dealing with it, he redrew himself. I said, Father, I have issue with this flesh. And it was specific. If you, I mean, like I said, you know, we are all different, you know, everybody knows what. But if you think that there is no bad habits in your life that needs prayer like the Bible says Jesus prayed in sweat. He wasn't praying for money. That's why I told his disciples, ah, I am going to deal with my own. Deal with your own here. I know that is, that is just what I am. I know who I am. I know the way I am. I did, that, is my, that is the way I am wired. Please deal with it on the altar of prayer. That's why when Moses was talking, Moses said, ah, this gives you an opportunity to deal with this issue of sin. It is not a day's issue. It will be a continuous process. But see, I was telling I was talking to some people during the week. I said, the day you begin to acknowledge your sin on the altar of prayer, that you have a problem, you have the embodiment, the boldness to deal with it. If I know I have an issue and I'm talking to God about it on the altar of prayer, if you point it out to me, I wouldn't have a problem. Because I'm already dealing with it. The, See, the, the, the sin you don't deal with, the character you don't deal with on the other prayer, you'll be defensive about it. That will always be a reason why it is so. And this, I am showing us the opportunities that Jesus was bringing to his disciples. The, the issue. So the Bible says, he said, your temptation, the problem is not the problem is not somebody else. The problem is you. The Yoruba will say, um, I don't know how to speak in English. That is uh, the madness. the madness inside is what uh, alcohol brings out. So the problem is not the happen. The problem is you. You know, I was watching a program and the man was cheating. So the day he got drunk, 
He brought out his food and he showed his wife everything and said, you know, I told you, I have this when the wife took uh, recording properly. He said, I give it to me, let me take snapshots. I said, no, take it, I'm bold. So when he now woke up in the morning, my brother said, good morning. Ah, oh God, I have a guitar. Should I do the panadol? I know, no, no, I'm not trying, you will need it. <laughs> Then he began to atomize things. So you see Jesus begin to. Now let me let me show you something. I to just learn this. I'm learning all day. That the issue about Gethsemane, that was not the first time Jesus dealt with it. Jesus did not just deal with it at Gethsemane. He had dealt with it on the altar of prayer even before now. Let's look at Luke. You will see what I'm saying. Luke chapter 9. The Bible says, eight days after his sentence, he took John, Peter, John, and James with him and he went up to the mountain to pray. The Bible says, as he was praying, his appearance of his face changed and his clothes Became white, uh, became as bright and flashing, uh, flashing light. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared to him in a glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. What were they talking about? They spoke about his departure, and which was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. What was that? The way he was going to be killed. So that suggests to me. That Jesus has been dealing with that issue before Gethsemane. Because when they came to him, they were saying, Oh God, don't worry. See, this is the path you have to go. So, what I'm trying to say is that the concern about Jesus' life, he did not deal with it at Gethsemane. He had been dealing it, dealing about, dealing, dealing, um, dealing or making dealings around it from the altar of prayer. From the day he had been noticing, ah, <laughs> Yeah, it thinks it seems that my, my flesh is trying to react. It seems that this thing is an issue. It seems that this thing is an issue, and it began to deal with it on water. The question is: Have you not? Have you taken opportunity to be to deal with things properly on the prayer? If you took Jesus, even at um, uh, Gethsemane, he dealt with it more than once. The Bible says he went back and he prayed the same prayer again. God grant us grace in the name of Jesus Christ. The Bible says in John chapter 18, the Bible says when Jesus had finished praying, he left, he left with his disciples and he crossed Kidron Valley. On the, on, on the other side, there was a garden and he and his disciples went into it. Now, this is how much they understood Jesus. Now Judas, who betrayed him, knew the place. They, they knew him. It was not only God that knew he was praying. Even people around him knew that this is, this is, a, a, and please, you begin to see, the Bible says, when he finished praying, that means that he seemed to have a dedicated time that he spends praying. He doesn't hang God in the middle of conversation and go and answer phone. When he finished, and you begin to see this pattern of Jesus. Luke chapter 11 verse 1. The Bible says Jesus, on a certain day, Jesus was praying, sorry, on, on, a day, on one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished praying, one of his disciples said to him, so that means that they knew that when Jesus was praying, they did they just left him. Please let me first of all address other spiritual things at this point. There is a scripture, the Bible says that God, and it's a map. The Bible says that I don't have enough there. The Bible says that Jesus woke up very early to go and pray outside. Why did Bible say Jesus woke up very early? He was, he, that was when they came to come and visit 
Peter's mother in law. So Jesus woke up and did not disturb people. So don't, I am, we are not saying here that you know, I, I am praying people must know in this house that no, 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 no. The Bible says Jesus woke up before any money, before anybody, and went. So you don't have, it is, it is lack of, it is ignorance that you would make your prayer life and interest to everybody around you. If you wake up early in the morning, go for a morning walk, pray. If it is 30 minutes, God knows in 13. Please also note that the Jesus prayer of Jesus had finishing time. So that was no, you know. Ah, and God just pray, 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 pray. No, he had finishing time. His disciples knew finishing time. It is part of discipline. You get what I'm trying to say. See, my wife knows me. There are times early in the morning, I would wake up and go and pray for 30 minutes and come back. I don't you know, man. I'm just sharing this so that you would know. There are times you would say, ah, you know, you don't come to bed. You don't say, I think that's no problem. I'll come to bed. I will sleep. At 1 a.m., I wake up. When she, you, I think you are I wake up and go out. We are in London. At least you I would walk. Ah, see, those times you can shout. Because you go to those, you will scream. Nobody cares about you. And I walk back into my house and sleep. At least when I woke up, when she slept, I was on the bed. When I woke up, I was, I was on the bed. That was what Jesus did. Jesus said, don't you know that it's time for prayer? No, Jesus didn't do that. That is the heart to go after. Then gradually you begin to bring your partner along. Because now, she goes, let us pray. But if you are first of all starting to say, no, it, is, it doesn't work that way. Jesus never did that to his disciples. Not to the glory of God, you know, and I'm just sharing this with us. Now, you know, I don't have to, you don't, and you just don't make yourself a nuisance to people. It's important. Don't over spiritualize it. You know, I don't, I don't have to, you know, by God's grace. I was in prayer to 3 a.m. this morning. I don't have to. I don't have to. I don't have. It doesn't work that way. You know, I'm sharing this with us that we'll get married, that we'll meet people, and things like that. If you have to hide on your clothes, everybody's clothes in the morning, hide on it in that, that night. Prepare it so that you can. Jesus attended to everybody, then he removed himself. When he knew they were all asleep, that's what the Bible says, before everybody woke up, so that there is no argument. When Peter came, Peter said, Ha! Ah, we have been looking for you. Where are you? Jesus said, Okay, let us go. May God grant us grace in the name of Jesus Christ. So as we begin to build the altar of prayer, we saw Jesus, how Jesus was first of all dealing with the issues of himself. Before that's why when Paul was talking, he said that I may know him and associate with his death because it was in he died to sin. And I will just quickly move on my time fast, but um, Genesis chapter 35. I'm just going to pick on a couple of things that helps you and me in the journey of building our altar. The Bible says, and there he built an altar and he called it hell better because there the God had revealed himself to him when he was fleeing from his brother. Please note the word. 
He built an altar because God has revealed himself. You will read Genesis chapter 12 again, verse 7. God appeared to Abraham and, and, and said to him, your husband will give this land. So, see, the appearing led to building of an altar. How does that reflect to us now? You come to church on a Sunday. God reveals something to you either by sermon or by what or whatever or by song. You take that and you go home and you begin to build your altar on that. We are talking about the ability to build altar. You will take that message. You will take that prayer session or whatever, maybe the three people's prayer. Maybe something was prayed and you had, you wrote it down. I was hearing a testimony of somebody sharing with my friend. He, he normally shares, he normally sends a prayer, um, what's it called, prayer recordings to people and things like that. Aruma said that Aruma was has been dealing with an issue in her life for many, many years. And said that, you know, she began to collate those prayer voice notes, began to write it down, began to write it down, collate them, and decided to do vigil for herself. And began to call those prayers and began to pray to God about them. The thing that has been disturbing me an issue for years broke. Why? She God revealed himself and she took it quickly and built an altar. You know, you know, oh, they just said those prayers. I don't even know what prayer, what, what was the prayer point? Oh, the sermon. Ah. It, it was good. What did you do about it? Just please your book. The aspect of building an altar is God reveals himself to you in an open place. It is what God is doing now is revealing himself to you. It is left to you if you want to build an altar on it or not. Moses could have, Abraham could have left. After God revealed himself, he could have left and moved on. How does, we are talking about personal issues. You are reading your Bible. The Bible is talking about, about, about hunger. You read the Bible and say, all these people shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And you just flip through. You don't know that God has revealed himself. And what you are supposed to do is to pick that scripture and build an altar on it. You saw something, you read something, or maybe a prophecy came about you and want you, I'm not talking about prophecy of good, they want you that this habit, you must stop it. God has revealed himself. No, 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 no. He said, oh, God, God knows that I'm still in, in progress. Rather than picking it up and going to your house and building an altar on it. And you begin to see God begins to approach you further. But you abandon it. God, how many things has God revealed himself to you? I have built an altar on it. You did, you, you walked into something, you did something, someone said, ah, and you're Christian. You did not take that conversation and go and build an altar on it. Say, God, ah, there's an issue here. We need to deal with it. So, they, as God revealed, I'm not talking about the revelation of, you know, I, I see, but that's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about also is that even in what, you are listening to a sermon, you are listening to worship, and that worship touches you, you shed tears, it is revelation. But what did you do about it afterwards? Did you build an altar around it? Or did you just say, oh God, my soul was blessed. Thank you, Jesus. And that's it. Some of us may be going through an issue. And there's a particular song that you keep on listening to. To pull yourself back. But what you have failed to do is to pick that song and build an altar around it. You have not turned it to a, a, a feel-good song. 
And rather than pick it and say, God, you know, we are we are going deeper on this thing until it becomes a reality for you. So what I'm talking, it might not be something, it might be worship, it might be anything. Build, learn to build an altar or something. And you saw Jesus, he was repeated, he was continuous. See, at times the reason why your, our altars are not continuous because we are not, God is revealing himself, but we don't know that you are supposed to pick it to build something. You, 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 you hear a word, pick it, build an altar on it. God will grant us grace in the name of Jesus Christ. And you begin to see people like people who did it in Acts chapter 17, verse um, Acts chapter 17, verse 11. And he said, Now the barbarian Jews were more noble, had were more of noble character in Thessalonians, for they received the message. So Paul was preaching, they received the message with great eagerness, and they examined the scripture every day to see if Paul. So Paul had preached to them. After they received it, they took it to their house and they began to go deeper on it every day. He said, those people are, before God, they have a more noble character. Last time, I'm just going to deal with one aspect of the altar. Because I felt that this, the, the, I needed to deal with force of all that. Because if I put this force, you know, you know the more see at times people and we are all learning. People expect that God wants to do something big, so He would reveal, He would establish it on a general altar like this. It does, but most of the time it doesn't. Let me show you some scriptures and I'll give you some real life examples. Um, Genesis chapter 8, verse 22. The Bible says, Then Noah built an altar to the Lord, taking some, all of the clean animals and clean birds and sacrificed bond offerings on it. The Lord smelled it, and, and, and the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, and he said in his heart, I will never curse the ground because of humans, even though every inclination of human heart is evil from childhood. Please, let's leave it at that. On a personal altar, on a private altar, God made a covenant for a nation, for, for the world. It was on a personal level, a personal altar that God used to make a covenant with the whole world. You will see it again, even in, in, um, in, when, when we go to Genesis, Genesis chapter 9, verse 11. He said, I will establish my covenant with you. He did not say I will establish my covenant with the world. He said, I will never again, never again will all life be destroyed by water or floods. Never again will the flood destroy the heart again. It was one person, one, one human being. It was from that altar. See, the solution that God gives to you on your personal altar may be the standard for a generation to come. <coughs> all the hymns that you are singing today, it did not come in general. It was from somebody's encounter with God that that hymn came forth. And now, generations after generations, people are singing it and they are being delivered. There was a man. His name is William Weberfish. This was what he said about himself. This was a direct quote from him. He said, my first year 
My fourth years, I was in parliament. I did nothing. Nothing to any purpose. My own distinction was my darling object. So he had something that he was, you know, he was a rich boy. He was a guy that went to Cambridge. He was, he was extremely rich. He came into parliament at 21. They said that, you know, his campaign was about 500,000 pounds equivalent to that. So he was a rich boy. There was nothing that he didn't have, he, he didn't have, you know, there was no care in the world. Life was good. He just got to parliament, you know, he did what he could do, and there was no purpose at all. There was no purpose at all. Until he met this man, John Newton. Can we come the next slide, please? Until we met this man, John Newton. Now, John Newton is a pastor who was formerly a slave. He used to deal with slaves. He used to ship slaves from Africa to Europe. When God met him, out of his personal encounter with God, he wrote the song Amazing Grace that you sing to today. Wilberforce entered his church and after constant teaching from somebody's private order, John Newton's private order, Wilberforce found a purpose for himself and he fought to ensure that he ended slavery in UK. The end of slavery in UK did not come from announcement from heaven. It was from somebody's private altar. If you ask John Newton, let's go back, if you ask John Newton, John Newton probably never thought in his life. So what I'm trying to say, it is not how, see, it, it is not how, it is not, see, what you think God is going to use. It's not what he's interested in. How you think he's going to take things to shake the world is not how you think it's going to be. It will just, as you are drawing closer on your private order, it will be some, when John Newton wrote Amazing Grace, he didn't write it for anybody, he wrote it for himself. He said, God, you can save a wretch like me. You can save a wretch like me. That was it. He wasn't singing it for people. He never thought that people would be singing it all around the world. But that song that came from a private experience with God, how God has been dealing with his sinful life, became the backbone for what God will use to deliver slaves and slavery in this country. It's interesting to me that John Newton died in December 1807. Sorry, uh, March. Sorry, in December 1807. And the, um, the law became law in the UK in, in March 1807. In March 1807. But do you know how many years it took Wilberforce? 20 years. Constant battling. In fact, he was said that he almost lost lost that because people were prepared to kill him because he was going to stop people's business. But on the strength of somebody's encounter, private encounter with God, became a story. Do you know the difference? In the United Kingdom, slavery was handed. But in the United States, it took a civil war. Lives were lost to hence slavery. Difference. One came from a private altar. The one came, the other one came from agitation. Thousands of lives, hundreds of thousands of lives was, was massacred on the platform of fighting for emancipation. Why the other one? came from somebody's private altar with God. I'll give you another example. Susan Wesley. 
People referred to her. It's a quote. Said, although she never preached a sermon, published a book, founded the church, she is known as the mother of Methodists. You know the Methodist church that you see all around. Why? Because of her two sons, John and Charles Wesley. Our children consciously or consciously willingly applied the example and the teachings of circumstances in their home life. John, Susan Wesley had 19 children. So because of that kind of issue, they told her to sit at home so she couldn't go to church. So she had a rocking chair where she started, she would do her prayers on Monday, sorry, on Sundays, she would teach people and things like that. That rocking chair was, she had such a method. She was so principled. That was why they called the Methodist method. Because they learned, the children learned the method from their mother's private altar. See how many lives that have been changed. From when you have Susan Wesley, she did not know that she was going to do anything. As far as she was concerned, she was just saying, because I am my hand, my, my, my desire is always going to be to follow God. Let's read this scripture last year as we go. He ended it by saying, if you build an altar of stone for me, do not build with dread stone, but you will defile it. We just but the last one said, do not go up in steps. Your, or your private parts may be exposed. What God is simply saying, start in your own place. Don't, don't form utter prayer trying to copy one another person. If it's 30 minutes, study, dedicate that time. Gradually, it will begin to progress. But at least you are making a dedication. And I saw this picture and it touched my heart. This is a boy in Nigeria selling plantain by the roadside. But do you know what is written in that book? The Bible. As bad as it is for him, he found a space for his own altar. What will be your own excuse? Do you know that the same God that sees this boy is seeing you? And you and I are saying, I, I am too busy. No, things are just bits. These are just a big difficult. These are just, these are just, these are just, and God is looking at you and seeing that boy selling plantain on the road. And making sure that no matter what happens, I find my time with God. What excuse do you have from building your home? There are so many things that we raised that needs dealing with. But if you will not build an altar, for yourself. God doesn't push drop people to come closer. He doesn't. We might have thought that, but scripture preaches otherwise. It will bring you from your sins, save you. Then it is not left to you what you want to do with you. This is an opportunity for us to build our own altars, your own relationship with God. First, by dealing with yourself. By me also dealing with myself. Then, that altar will begin to be built in such a way that you begin to accommodate nations without you knowing. Maybe you are an engineer, or whatever it is that you are doing in your heart, in your, in your, in your, in your and your private altar, God will release things that will change the whole world. At times we are praying for God to do something great, 
but probably God is, God is bringing our attention back. See, all the years past, all the things that you are celebrating now, I did not give it to them in public. It was revealed to them on your birthday. The worship that you want to do, do it. Let it first of all land on your private altar. Let it first of all land on your private altar. Then you can bring it. Don't just listen to worship and say, oh yeah, that, that worship is good. Oh, I mean, how you begin to say, no, let it first of all land on your private altar. I'm not saying that you have to sing it all the time, but you know, meditate on those songs. Don't just. That is why, to the glory of God, you know. I still, I'm still learning a lot, but that's why the other day when you saw me that when I forgot my tablet at home, I said, don't worry, let's do the sermon. And I went through it. Why? Because it landed first on my private home. All that I'm sharing with you today, by God's grace, has led me out into my whole last Before I brought it here, Thank you for listening to this week's sermon. Have a blessed week.